This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. So how many are ready to change today? Amen. Uh, you notice the title of this is called The Reality of Hell. And this sermon, now listen closely, this sermon also goes on the Internet. So not just the ones that are here, but a lot of people here is on the Internet. Uh, how, how many followers did you say we got on that thing the other day? Huh? He said over 900 people rest in that they, they listen to, you know, somewhere or another, stay in touch with things coming out of the church on the Internet and everything. And so this goes on the Internet as well as here. That's a message from Jesus in the Word of God. They put on my heart for today. It's a message from Jesus for Christians that are lukewarm. This isn't directed to sinners today. But sinners will get saved today if they listen if they want to. If there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus or on the Internet as they hear this. But this message is for lukewarm Christians. And that's Christians that haven't fully... Now listen to this closely. This may save your life. Christians that haven't fully walked away from their lifestyle that they lived as sinners. Jesus told us there's a way that Christians are supposed to live and there's a way the world lives. And there's too many Christians that haven't walked away from that lifestyle yet. And the sad thing about it, Jesus warns us in the gospel, there's going to come a day, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And as a pastor, I want to make sure that I do what our theme verse says, exhort or mourn. Because I don't want anybody to take their last breath that went to a church of the Lord Jesus Christ and then to hear Jesus say, I don't know you. I want to make sure everybody knows him well. So anyway, uh, if if you get spoken to today by the Holy Spirit, even if you went to this church for years and years and years and years, at the end of the sermon, if you get spoken to, we're going to have the altar team up there as usual, then don't be embarrassed to come up to say, to say somebody, pray for me. I know I need to commit more. I know I need to recommit. I know I need to rededicate. I know I need to get right with God and pray for me. And then pray for me to have the grace to be able to start living like I know God wants me to live. And, you know, uh, there's a difference between heaven and hell. We're going to talk about that. But anyway, to, to be bold enough to come up for prayer can be all it takes to save you from eternity without Jesus. Amen? Amen. Everybody getting excited already? I am. It's going to help people. Amen. Well, somebody can clap if you want to. That's probably a good thing to do. So, so let's look at our theme verse, Hebrews 10.25 in the Living Bible. Hebrews 10.25 in the Living Bible. And I, I want to tell you what a theme verse is. Uh, years ago, Dr. Barclay, sitting under him, found out his church does theme verse, so we've been probably doing it for about as long as we've been in California. And what that is, at the end of the previous year, starting about September, October, November, I start talking to the Lord about the coming year. Lord, because as a pastor, I answer to Jesus. He's my commander-in-chief, and I'm his officer over the church here. I ask him, Lord, what is it you want me to accomplish in your church this next year? What is it, Lord, that we need to get done? What's the goal? What are you going to judge me for, Jesus? Which direction are we supposed to go? And the main thing you put on my heart last year, I had Pastor Dave praying with me, the main thing that we knew is God 
what's halfway in Christians to get in. God wants Christians to quit being casual visitors, but to get serious and start filling his church up so he can have workers for the kingdom, so people can have more victory, they can have more anointing for their families, they can have more peace, they can walk in more healing, they can walk in more freedom from mental torments of life and cares and worries and really be Christians with their light shining. And so anyway, that's where this theme verse came from. And so I want you to notice, I'm going to read this, and I want you to notice three things. I never saw this till the Lord gave me this sermon, then I saw it and thought, wow, that's pretty good. I never saw that. So I want you to notice that we're going to look at these three and go over them in detail just a little bit. But the number one thing I want you to notice, he said, let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do. So the number one thing that the Holy Spirit says is don't neglect your church meetings. And, you know, I know I'm thinking about that Mike has to work a lot of Saturdays, so maybe he has some strange hours sometimes where you can't do Sundays and stuff like that. God knows where you are and what's going on. But the thing is, even if you have to work Sunday mornings at a church like ours, we've got Sunday night, that's another meeting. we got Wednesday night, that's another meeting. We have special meetings like Tony Cook coming, that's more meetings. We have men's meetings. We have women's meetings. We have marriage meetings. I mean, we have all kinds of things. Something going on all the time in the church or in home for people to get together. And the thing about it that we've got to always remember, when you hook up with God's people, doing spiritual things with church people, you don't get weaker, you get stronger. You know, I know that I can't get on bunny trucks. I've got too much other stuff to head to. But we know that... Uh, there's a lot of support groups out there for a lot of things, but you go to a place with unsaved people and call it a support group, you'll get pity, and you get people giving some negative testimonies, but you won't get anointing. You won't get faith unless it's a Christian support group where they teach the Word of God. But you come to church, you get faith from the Word of God, you don't just get pity. You get help when somebody prays the prayer of faith for you. Things happen. So anyway, he said, don't neglect our church meetings. Some people do. The next thing he says, encourage and warn each other. You don't neglect church. But he says, encourage and warn each other. And then the last thing he says, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. And so three things. Number one says, Come to church every time you possibly can. Number two, not just in church, but on the job of other Christians. If you see them not living right, you need to talk to them. If you see people backing off and slacking off, you need to talk to them. Because God said, warn and exhort. And then number three, this is serious. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, doesn't make any difference what you believe about the Bible, what I believe about the Bible. You can't change the Bible. Jesus said, I will come again and then in the gospels of matthew and luke he said here's some of the signs of my return and he tells you things you know i think about those signs as you're coming up the road who was talking about my house yesterday who was over there it must have been oh it was robert robert's not here this morning talk about robert browning always oh, in the carpet man you're so short over there robert i can't even see you stick it up we was talking yesterday he's talking about barstow you know, you can be a hundred miles up the road and there'd be a sign when you come to the splits of the highways. It says Barstow got an arrow. And if you follow the signs, you end up in Barstow because you follow the signs. Well, Jesus said, 
here's the signs of my return. And then he told you lots of things happened. All the hatred, all the evil, all the perversion, liars, families turned on each other, and just all the different things about Israel becoming a nation. And he said, these are the signs. So if we follow the signs that the Bible tells us is heading to the end of the church age, we'll know we're almost there. You know, you finally get to the outlet malls and whatever says Barstow five miles or whatever says you get there, you know, see that last sign, that means we're almost there. And every major prophet, teacher of God I've known for the last several years said, man, all the signs are up. We don't know what's going on. You know, it's, we're here. And so that's what he said, especially now, especially now that the day of his return is so close. And so we as believers need to tighten up, need to get serious. And so I want to, I want to, I want to look at that first point. First of all, he said, let us not neglect our church meetings. Then the next point I want to get to, but encourage and warn each other. And so on the not neglecting the church attendance part, I just wrote some notes down here that's not in your notes, but I'll put them down here just to remind you. About two or three weeks ago, it was on February 24th, I preached a Sunday AM sermon, and it was called, Why I Love Coming to Church. How many heard me preach, Why I Love Coming to Church? Well, we had about five people that are in this current congregation that heard that. And so, that is on the internet, right, Pastor Dave? That's www.hdwc.org. Okay, and so the 95% of you that weren't here that day, go to hdwc.org, February 24th, and hear that. It's, the sermon was, Why I Love Coming to Church. And the Lord had me preach that from my perspective, not yours. Because I went back to, in my heart, in my soul, I prayed when the Lord gave me that title. I went back to when I got born again. I looked at all my years in church as a Christian sitting out there before I was on this side of it. And even on this side of it now, I looked at how it is from the perspective of a Christian. Not, not somebody just trying to tell you, but this is why you ought to go to church. But the Lord said, tell them why you love going to church. And so I just want to just briefly run through these again and, and you know, I wasn't joking, 95% of you to hold your hands up, but I didn't know that many people weren't here that day. But anyway, go to the internet on that podcast and listen to that. And so here's, here's briefly some of the reasons I wrote down why I love coming to, why I love going to church is this. Number one, Jeremiah 3.15 talks about God will give you pastors after His heart that'll feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so I went back thinking about my pastor back in 1980. At all the years I said under him before I become a preacher. And that's why I love coming to church. Because I knew this is a man of God. I knew this is my spiritual father. I knew he taught me the Bible. And I knew that I could trust him. Because God told me this is your pastor. And he'll feed you of knowledge and understanding. And I knew that faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And so I knew. And I'm talking from my perspective right now. Because God told me to teach it this way. And I knew that if my pastor brought in a guest speaker, I could trust him. Because my pastor would let somebody come in that would lead me astray. And so if my pastor brought in speakers, whether they were men, whether they were women, I got there early as I could. I got a good seat. I brought my notebook. I bought my pen. I brought my Bible. And then I'd hear, the, I'd hear this guest speaker, uh, what can I say, should I say, Amplify on what my pastor had been teaching anyway, because the same Holy Spirit said a guest speaker said the pastor. 
And so I knew when a guest speaker come in, I got questions answered that I hadn't quite understood when my pastor taught it. And then sometimes the guest speaker would come in, he'd say things that I knew in my heart they were good and I needed them, but I didn't understand them. Then later on, sometime when my pastor's teaching, I thought, wow, that's what that guy meant. And then I got it, and it changed my life. I love coming to church because I know my faith grows. And I know I learn things I need in life. And something else about that too is this. Sometimes when you hear some of these messages really go, go off of the inside, you think, wow, this is good. Sometimes that thing gets in there. Jesus brings to our remembrance things we need. There'll be a time a year, two, three, five years down the road, you may need it, or you're talking to somebody else that needs it. So you're talking to somebody else, and all of a sudden, you start remembering what that preacher taught five years ago, and you're talking to somebody that's having marriage problems, or having a job problem, health problem, financial, or something, and all of a sudden, what you got in church five years ago, just a one-time thing, you saw a man or woman of God preaching, that comes back to you, and you save somebody's marriage, save their life. So that's why I love going to church. Reason number one was that, because of my faith growing and learning things. And then number two, to be encouraged by my brothers and sisters in Christ. To be encouraged by my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so wonderful. If you've been having a bad day, having a bad week, going through a rough time, when somebody says, hey, how you doing? And you really, you want to make a good confession, say, man, man, I'm doing great, but you're really not doing great. It's so, it's so wonderful to have somebody that has faith that you can talk to and you can say, you know what? It really wasn't a very good week for me at all. This happened, that happened. I'm a Christian, and I don't want to talk negative, but I got I got to talk to somebody. Would you pray for me? And I want to get over this thing. I want to get through this thing. But it's so nice to come into a place where people greet you at the door. We have our meet and greet time where people give you a hug, give you a handshake, and just speak words of blessing over you. I, well, we go to Walmart and get that from Irma, but everybody at Walmart not like Irma. <laughs> but, but, uh, no, you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about reasons I like going to church. I love going to church because I like to see smiling faces. I like to hear words of encouragement and not doom and gloom. Amen. And that, that's what we're talking about. See, that's God's goal for us is to get the church filled up with you guys and other people. So we can spread the blessing all over our area. And so that's another reason I like to go to church. And another one is I like to hear others testify at what Jesus has done for them. I like to hear testimonies. You know, a lot of times on Sunday nights, we have testimony time for, you know, maybe 10 minutes or so. To where on Sunday nights, that's really the only service we ever do it in. Because that Wednesday night's just too quick of a service. And Sunday morning's a different atmosphere. But Sunday nights, a lot of times we do testimonies. And, you know, I, I still remember... How that affected my life. I remember one time back in that very early 1980s, uh, I was on a truck driving job and I'd, I'd get in late and barely make the service. So I got the service on Wednesday night. My wife and I were really going through a hard time financially. I mean, man, we'd do everything we could to believe God. We was tithers. We was givers. But things were just really tight and hurting. And our church at that time had about 500 people in it. You know, I, I was a truck driver. I was a member of the church. Had about 500 people in the church. And everybody's, of course, a good faith church. Everybody all the time, man, how you doing, man? We're blessed. How you doing? We're, we're prosperous. We're healthy. Man, things are great on top of the world. And so we never talked to anybody about the financial troubles we had. I thought, man, we're the only ones in the whole church that's having trouble. <laughs> we didn't want to say anything to anybody because everybody in there, man, they're all blessed. They're all prosperous. We didn't think, man, we're the only two in the whole church that's not getting it. 
You know, we, if we read the Bible, we pray, we do all we know to do, but we're broke. And, you know, we thought, man, this is terrible. You know, we'd rent the house and we just have to pray and believe God and make deals with the landlord to, to do the, do the house rent payment and keep the lights turned on. I had to make deals. And back then we didn't have cell phones. You had to have a landline. If, if you was believing for work and somebody would call you, if you didn't pay your phone bill, they couldn't call you to go to work. So we, Making deals with the phone company, making deals with the electric company. Thought, man, everybody, the whole church has, is just doing great financially, and we're the only ones in here that's not. We just keep our mouths shut. They'll think we are too. So, come in on a Wednesday night, and for some reason that night, the pastor had a lady giving a testimony. And that lady, as I walked out, I heard her saying, our family was really hurting for money. And I thought, Lynn? Said, Husband was laid off and all that kind of stuff there. Said we couldn't pay our light bill. I thought, huh, somebody else? And then I hear a bunch of other people going, amen. I thought, man, maybe them too. Then she gave a testimony how they stood and believed God. And when she said that, how God came through because they kept on believing and standing on the Word of God. And God came through and things changed. They got, got, got the money thing together and things worked. On the inside of me and my spirit, it was like a fireplace. I had a little ember in there that still had some little bit, little bit of something, a little coal. And when she said that, it was like the breath of God started breathing on my heart, and that thing started lighting up. I started getting the fire of God, and we thought, yeah, if he did it for them, he'll do it for us. We're not the only ones. And so anyway, that really been in church, heard a testimony from a fellow believer that on the outside, I thought, man, they got it all together, but they'd been living a pretty rough life, too. And so anyway, that, that, that helped fire us up to go the extra mile till we got out of that situation. Amen. And so that's why I love coming to church. I want to hear fellow believers tell, and even in this church, when some of you give your testimonies to me, whether you give them to me when we're talking or when you come up here to testify sometimes, as the pastor, I sit there and think, wow, wow, that's awesome how God moved. Thank you, Jesus, what you did. Amen. I'm talking about reasons you want to be in church. And that's why I love coming to church. Then number three, number four. Now, this, this to me, this is a biggie right here. This is real big. If I'm going through a hard time, which I did last year. Last year was kind of a rough year for me. I'm glad it came through, but I really appreciate all of you standing with me and praying. If I Now, listen, I want you to receive this personally. If I'm going through a hard time, my God-given, not just any church family, my God-given church family, the one that I know God's got me in. Not just visiting and being like the old flacos that, oh, I just go to all the churches. I want to bless them all. They come around here like, yeah, they're like, man, you're not blessing me. You're not hooked up anywhere. How many read our Bible study today in 1 Corinthians 12 this morning? It's the 1 Corinthians 12. The gifts of the Spirit, the body of Christ in unity. You know, uh, people that don't hook up a church family is talking about unity. That, that, that'd be like having your hand cut off and laid over here and say, man, I just, I just put this hand on anybody, but I can have my hand. No, your hand's supposed to be on your body. Amen. Your ear's supposed to be on your head. Your eyes are in your head. So God's got a body for you. You're not called to be El Flaco and go around all the churches. You're supposed to be in your church. Hey, I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so anyway, my church family that God gave me, Listen to this. They'll gather around me if I'm having a hard time, and they'll sincerely pray real prayers. What do you mean by real prayers? Prayers that get results. 
because I'm part of them. They're part of me. They love me. They know me. They want to see me win. I'm not talking about, listen, you know, if this, if this speaks to you, just smile real pretty and just don't look around sideways and nobody knows talking about you. It's not talking about the 10,000 Facebook likes or the sending prayers, hon. And all those things get, all those things get off of Facebook is you want to tell your sad story to somebody, but try to spiritualize it. You're not looking for answers. You're looking for pity. Well, when you go through a crisis, pity won't save you. You go through a crisis, you need somebody that they say, we're going to be praying for you this week. You know they're praying this week. And if they're praying this week, they hear from God sometimes, and they'll send you a text or a phone call and say, man, I'll tell you what, my wife and I were praying this morning for you, and I saw a breakthrough. We felt this morning in our spirit that, man, this thing's over with. Don't quit. Don't give up. We're praying. The other people are praying that this is working. It's not, it's not the thing on Facebook. Message me, hun, and tell me all the gory details. <laughs> We're telling you why we like to go to church. I, if, if I meant something, I want a prayer against results. Man, I just don't want attention. I want prayer against results. Matter of fact, if I'm going through a hard time, I don't want people to know about it. I want to make it through there, but I want people that love me to pray for me. And then number five reason that I talked about was the corporate anointing. We talked about that a while ago. I did briefly hit it a while ago. main thing is you come into a church. I'm talking about a Holy Ghost church, and we're a Holy Ghost church. You come into a church where people pray in tongues, where people worship God from all their heart, then the Spirit of God begins to move in that church, and then the pastor or somebody else may get a prophecy, a word from God to speak into your life. Like last Sunday, remember last Sunday, I called out some things, and the whole altar filled up people all the way across there. Well, that, that's not, that's not uh, mental imagination things. That's the Spirit of God moving on a man of God to speak things out, and then people that have that problem come up, and God helps them. And so you can't maneuver something like that, manipulate and make it happen. That's the Spirit of God helping people in that atmosphere. If all the people came up last week, I dare to say, I bet a lot of lives were changed after that last week because God was moving the church. That's why I love coming to church, to get in the atmosphere where if I've been too dense to hear out there, in here is prepared and he's moving. Amen? I like that. Give the Lord a hand for those reasons. Amen. And so then, I want to go to this next part, and this is where we're going to camp out at. And uh, I don't know if you've got, if you've got a water bottle. You might want to take a drink of water right now because it might get hot. But uh, the next part says, but encourage and warn each other. Encourage and warn each other. We're talking about our theme verse for the year. First part is man come to church every time you can, but then it says encourage and warn each other. And like I said, I never thought about any of these different aspects of this verse till the Lord told me to preach from this verse. And so what are we to, what are we to warn about? What are we to warn about? Well, the last book of the Bible right before Revelation is the book of Jude. Just one chapter. So turn back to Jude. The book of Jude. And I was going over the book of Jude again this morning looking at it, see if there's anything else that the Lord wanted me to say out of the book of Jude. And so as I read the book of Jude, and I've read this 
Man, I don't know how many times in the last 39 years. I've read it and read it and read it, studied it so many times. and really familiar with the book of Jude. But as I read this morning, again, not just the verse we're going to look at, but again, I saw that, that Jude, and you know, I just want to say this. I just recommend that everybody here that can read the book of Jude this week. And read it in another translation if you can't understand King James very well. But Jude warns of preachers that water down the gospel. He talks, starts off warning preachers that tell you it's okay to live how you want to live. Everything's okay. He warns about those preachers. They're in serious trouble. And then he also warns Christians that still live and practice sins of the flesh daily with no sign of repentance. Christians that still do things that are very obvious in the Bible, flesh things, that the Bible calls sin and wrong things, and says the people who practice those things won't go to heaven. Jude warns about those things. Before he gets to this verse we're going to, I'm going to look at two verses here. So anyway, it's really, really a good book where he very plainly tells you things not to do if you want to go to heaven when you die. And so he gets to verse 22 then. Remember, we're looking out of our theme verse about warning each other. What are we supposed to warn about? Verse 22 says that if some have compassion, making a difference. So the Lord had me write this down about that compassion for some people. Some people will give their hearts to Jesus when you teach them about heaven and the goodness of God. Some people, you just get to preach real sweet all the time, just real nice and never really have to have a confrontation where you talk about anything. You just let them know, hey, God's got better for you. Heaven's real. God wants you to have heaven on earth. Jesus said, thy will be done on earth. Is it heaven? Just, you know, just the different, all the promises of God. Some people, you preach that to them, and that's what it takes. Their heart gets softened. They get tender. They think, wow, I want to go to heaven. They think, wow, well, I need more blessing in my life. I need my health blessed. I need my family blessed. I'd like to be able to see my money go further. I'm tired of these migraine headaches. Whatever it is going on, you teach them that Jesus wants to be able, et cetera. That's talking about the goodness of God. You have that compassion on them. And the goodness of God gets home to think. Uh, I know that for me, back when I got born again in uh, January 1980, starting the fall of 1979, nobody was preaching to me. I just, I just thinking about life, how stupid it was. I thought, man, I don't like drinking anymore. So I gave up booze. Didn't have to get saved, but I just did because I thought, I don't like that. Then I thought, man, I, don't, I just don't like cigarettes anymore. I want to breathe better. So I quit smoking. And then after that, I thought, I just want a better life. And that just with my own reasoning back at the time, I thought, I need to go to church. And so I went to church and ended up getting saved, et cetera, et cetera. But the whole thing was, I wanted the goodness of God in my life. And I didn't know how to put it in words, but I wanted it. And so that's what it took for me. Not anybody scaring me. I just knew, man, life's stupid. I said, life's stupid. You know, you go out and drink, you party, you smoke and can't breathe and spend all your paycheck and just try to squeak by the next week again. And you just get tired of it. I mean, I did. I got tired of the stupid life. And so I just wanted God. And so the goodness of God, I came in because I wanted his goodness. And so I came into the family of God. But then look at this next verse. He says, and others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. 
And so others, we must teach about eternal damnation and the reality of hell. That's what Jude said. He said, others, you got to put some fear in them. Heaven's real. Hell's just as real. And eternity's forever. That reality to me has kept me serious all my Christian life. I've stayed, I've stayed serious about spiritual things because I know that heaven's real. And I know that hell's real. I know that eternity's forever. And I, I, I know that with my calling, and by serious, I don't mean serious about staying saved. I'm talking about serious about preaching. About doing what God called me to do to help people to see things and to know things. And so, this is reality. The Bible talks more, Lester Summerall said, the Bible talks more warning people about hell than it does talking about heaven. Jesus did a lot of teaching about hell. Uh, No quenching of the worm, the thirst, the fire, the flames, the torment of hell. He talked about it all the time. And so Jesus was a preacher that preached about that and wanted people to know because he knew he was getting ready to die for their sins and wanted people to know that. And so we're going to look at the things of the Word of God. But the thing is, I want to say this again. The book of Jude wasn't talking to people of the world that weren't saved. It was talking to people that were saved. Telling them, come on, step up to the plate, get this thing together, start living like a Christian. Preachers start preaching the Word. And so we're going to turn to Matthew 25. And I think probably a lot of you are familiar with Matthew 25. That's the one where he talks about the, starts off talking about the, the virgins, the ten virgins that need to keep their oil full, be ready. Matthew 25 is a good chapter to study this week too, along with the book of Jude. But anyway, he gets to the end of it, and he talks about Christians to be serious about reaching out and helping other people. He talks about feeding the poor, talks about visiting people in the hospital and nursing homes, uh, talks about visiting people in jail, prison. In other words, helping the down and outers. And then he gets to the end of the chapter. He's talking about people who don't live like Christians and walk in the love of God with people. Then in verse 41, I want you to see this here. He says this, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, that's the ones that are halfway hooked up with God, not really hooked up. They got one foot in, one foot out. He says, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. Well, you remember Jude said, Pull them out of the fire? He says, you are cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And so everlasting fire is something that's real. And Jude said, Jude said, some you have to preach with fear, show them how real it is so you can pull them out. And then I want you to notice then, verse 46. And he's talking about these people that, that didn't make it. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. So he's contrasted heaven and hell right then, and nobody wants to hear about hell. Everybody wants to hear about heaven. But you have to realize that if you're a believer, you can't pull part of the Bible out and say, I never want to hear that part. All I want to hear is the good stuff. Well, the good stuff is Jesus died for your sins. He said, live for me if you want to go to heaven. Jesus didn't say, 
say a prayer one time, and they'll go back to living like a pig and bad like a sheep. Amen. We're the sheep of his pastor. If, if we're the sheep of his pastor, we're not supposed to live in the filth of the world anymore. We're not supposed to be the pigs digging down in all the dirt and the slime and the evil of the world. We're supposed to come out of that. And you know, when I talk about that, we know none of us is perfect. But the whole thing is, any of us here, Jesus said we could judge a tree by its fruit. Jesus said that, not me. We don't go around judging how everybody else is living, but he said you could judge a tree by its fruit. If you got an apple tree growing, you ought to be seeing some apples on it. If you got a pistachio tree, like we have a few now, then come, it come, come summertime, we all see some pistachio things start growing in those trees. If it's a Christian, Galatians 5.22 tells you about the fruit of the Spirit, but before that it tells you about the works of the flesh. And it says things like the works of the flesh is adultery and fornication and lying and cheating and beating people up and stealing. He says that's the fruits of the flesh which you had before you were born again. This says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. And so if you see a Christian... There will be some Christian fruit. And then Jesus said, you can judge that tree by its fruit. And so if I got a pistachio tree and in my orchard, and some pistachios aren't coming off of it, some poison fruit, I'm going to say, wait a minute, you're not a pistachio tree. You shouldn't be in my orchard. You're putting out bad stuff. You're supposed to grow pistachios. Well, Jesus said that a good tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. And so that tells me that for Christians, when I see Christians, that year in and year out, they have no repentance. They have no remorse about the obvious sin that everybody sees. People are not judging, but it's obvious after a matter of time, if there's things you're doing that's wrong, you ought to start feeling guilty about it. You ought to start saying, would you pray for me? I know I'm not supposed to live this way anymore because I'm a new creature in Christ. And I'm having a hard time getting out of this. Would you pray for me? I say, yeah, we'll pray for you. But if it's always like, you're okay and I'm okay, everybody's okay, we're okay, then you're not okay according to the Bible. And I'm not okay with God if I don't tell you about it. Why is that? Our theme verse, but warn. Amen. And Jude, Jude said, warn them and pull them out of those flames. And so he says that it's, it's everlasting punishment, our everlasting life eternal in heaven with Jesus. And so what I want to do then, as we keep on looking at what we're doing about this, go to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. And, you know, I think about this, I think I've only preached out of Luke 16 one time since I've been a preacher. This is the second time, but it's, it's serious because God wants you to get it. Luke chapter 16, we're going to look at verse 19 to 31. But the thing about this, now listen to this. It starts off saying, there was a certain rich man. And so what this tells me is this. There's a couple different ways that Jesus talked to the Bible. Number one, he tell a story from real people that he deserved things he'd seen. Or number two, it say he spoke to him in a parable. Now a parable is a make-believe story. To help you understand how life works. So a parable, like sometimes Jesus would say, uh, the word of God is if a man went out to fish. 
And so it's like fishing. He said, follow me, I'll make you fishers. Man, he said, here's how you go. People wandering around the sea of sin in the world. They're like little fish wandering around. And you're a fisherman. Share the word of God and reel them into the kingdom of God. Catch them. And then another time he said, in a parable, he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should build a house. And he gave a picture then of building a house with a good cement foundation where storms came and hit it, the house wouldn't blow away. He said, that's somebody that sits under the word of God and incorporates the word in their life. They act on the word. If the word says that when Christ has come, you're still standing. And then he said, and then also he said, somebody builds their house on the sand. Wow, I thought I saw desert sand until I got this place out here in Newberry Springs. Man, we got, I wouldn't build a foundation on that stuff without changing it. Man, I got sad drifts out there. Where's Chuck at? Chuck, thank you, Chuck. Amen. Chuck brought his big old thing out there to help me move some sand. Man, I mean, this big sand. And boy, I, I didn't know how heavy sand was until I tried to use my shovel one day to do something, man. I moved just a little pile like that, and it was bedtime. That stuff is heavy. But not Jesus. He talked in parables. He said, then the one that doesn't build on the foundation said, that's the one that goes to the church. They hear the word of God, but never obey it. Then when Christ has come, when the storms of life come and blow on them, said their house blows away, they're down, they had no foundation. But that was a parable. But this one here, he's telling you a real true story. How many know that Jesus was God? He came down, he lived in Jesus' body, he's God. And so if Jesus said there was a certain man, Jesus is getting ready to tell you about a real human being. And as we see this story, the sad thing about it, and I about cry when I think about these things. This was all those many years ago Jesus told us that same man is still in hell burning today. He never came out. But the ones that go to heaven are in heaven forever to also. It's on both sides, but we've got to realize when God says eternal, everlasting, that means it never ends. You know, we think about somebody on earth, somebody that lives to be a hundred years old, and you think, man, that was a long time they lived to be a hundred years old. Well, earth time, that was a long time, but their real life just began. Whatever somebody takes that last breath, it's the finish line for this race, but it's the starting line for the next one, which is forever and ever and ever and ever. And we want to cross that finish line to start our next part right, which is go to heaven. Amen? That's what we're talking about. So anyway, this, in this parable right here, follow me closely in this. Follow me closely. He said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple, they said rich man, and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. That means he lived the good life in his, in his physical body. And so he said, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, wherever the dogs came and licked his sores. And then verse 22 says this, and it came to pass that the beggar died. When he died, he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he didn't get carried by the angels to go up. It says he went down. In hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Remember, Jude said, Some saved with fear, pour them out of the fire. And so this rich guy had it made on this side. And the beggar had nothing going on. And so Jesus tells us here, money, wealth, things will not buy eternal security. Now, 
religious people pervert what the Bible teaches about money, God in no way ever teaches it's wrong to have money. He always teaches it's wrong for money to have you. Well, Pastor, you know why we haven't been to church for the last long time? Man, we had a chance to make some big money. Well, if you have a crisis hit your home and your marriage gets broke up, guess who will get that big money? They're called lawyers. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that big money that you let control your spiritual life is now controlling you. Our other crises of life, I mean, health crises, different things like that, money does not cure cancer. Jesus heals cancer. Money does not deliver an addict. Jesus delivers addicts. Am I doing good preaching or what? Amen. Money does not get you to heaven. The money doesn't keep you out of heaven either. It's only your own choices. See, the Bible wouldn't teach, above all else, I want you to prosper and be in health if prosperity was wrong. But on that particular verse there in 3 John 2, he said, even as your soul prospers. He said, you put your spiritual health first. You put your spiritual life first, and I want you to prosper. And prosper, well, stop to think about this. John, John, uh, St. John wrote the Gospels and wrote John. He was a Jew. Jesus came as a Jew. And if you know anything about the Jewish people, as anybody knows how to prosper, when Jews talk about prosper, they're not talking about having an extra dollar at the end of the month. They're talking about getting rich. And so when God chose to come down to the earth through the Jewish people, made the covenant of Abraham, and then those Converted Jews wrote the Gospels, and they talk about prosperity, how God wants you to prosper. They're not talking about barely getting along. They're talking about having some money. And so if money were wrong to have, then God would have to change the Bible. But he says very plainly, I do not want money to have you. Don't make your decisions that you can serve me based upon how long you have to work to make more thousands. Amen. And you know, I like what I heard a preacher say years ago. He said, I've done a lot of funerals, and back then they didn't cremate people. Now that's basically what goes on. But anyway, he said, I've never followed a United Band Lines to the graveyard. It's always been a hearse. What that means is this, you can't take it with you. <laughs> he said, every time I go, it's not the big moving truck. Say, hey, man, look what they accumulate. They're going to take it with them. Nope, it's the hearse. And so, so Jesus said that this man was in hell. But I want you to keep on looking at this then. Well, matter of fact, just ask yourself a question as we're, as we're going through this. If God's talking to your heart today because you've been, you've been lukewarm, half in, half out, etc., what are your priorities? What are your priorities? What if Jesus knocked on the door of your life today and said, This day your soul is required of you. That's what he said in another place here in Matthew right before this little ways. He said, this day your soul will be required of you, then whose will those things be? And so we need to think about our priorities of life that what God talks about. Uh, i, I got to tell you one more story before I move on. Years ago, like back in the early 90s in Indiana, I had this, had this man in my church that was, what was I, 72 years old, type James, James and Diana. 
And uh, they, they come to the church. She was quite a bit younger. She was like in her early 50s, and he was in his early 70s. And uh, I didn't know much about that. life. They were just good church members coming. I just enjoyed having them. They were, they were blessings. And then one day, uh, I got a call on Sunday morning, right right when the service was starting, said, James just got took to the hospital. He's in an emergency. He had a stroke, aneurysm, all that stuff. I mean, things blew up in his head, and they think he's going to die. And so my music minister was anointed enough, prayed up enough, had enough Bible in him. I said, Stan, it's Sunday morning. But I said, man, you're my associate. You got the goods. I said, I got to get over there right now. I got to get that hospital to be with that family. And so Stan preached, and I got to the hospital, and James laying there. And he's in a coma, you know, they didn't, they didn't think he'd make it. Then, you know, then if he did make it, you know, that he'd be a vegetable and all that kind of stuff. And so I went in that, I went in that room there where he lay. I laid hands on James. And I prayed the prayer of faith. I prayed the name of Jesus for his life, for God to spare his life. Well, I think it was like next day or the day after that, he came out of it. And listen now, I'm, I'm getting to a point. He came out of it. And he was just a good old boy, but he wasn't super spiritual. So he wasn't guy, he wasn't the guy who went around making up things about spiritual things. If he said something bad, it was real to him. He said he was laying there in that coma as said Jesus appeared to him. And Jesus is real about the Bible. I mean, the Bible really is God talking. And then he said, Jesus said to him, you won't tithe. He said, there's nothing much else you can do for him. He said, you won't tithe, so you might as well come to heaven. And then he started seeing seeds of his life. He started seeds of his life. He said one time, because this guy was in contract the big equipment built things, and I didn't know any of this stuff about his life until he started to tell the story. You remember the story of the Bible where the rich man said, I'm going to keep on building buildings? He said, more barns to put my stuff in? He said, well, Pastor, you were teaching on that a while back. And I was sitting there thinking, I got two big new buildings going to put my stuff in right then. And so... He talked about God showed him, reminded him of those things. Like he said, I was so convicted the day you said, man, I was squirming because, oh, man, that's what I'm doing now. And then after that, him and his wife, he said, came to church on a Wednesday night. This is, I think he's 71 or 72 years old. Said we came on a Wednesday night. And how far out they live away from the church? They, they lived like probably 10 miles away from the church to the country. Him and his wife got to fight in the parking lot about tithing. She worked and she tithed. After his business, he didn't tithe. And I knew none of this stuff. And said, so we got an argument in the parking lot about tithing. And I got so mad at her. I yelled at her. And I walked all the way home. <laughs> he walked home fighting his wife about tithing. And then God told him, as he lay there in that coma, said, you won't tithe. You might as well come to heaven. He said, he started crying then and said, Jesus, I'm going to start tithing. I know you're the one that blessed me. And I'm sorry that I fought you on tithing so many years, Jesus. I'm going to start tithing. Well, guess what? Long story short, he came out of it, everything, et cetera, et cetera. And he became very faithful in a lot of things. He became a tither, et cetera, et cetera. And he's probably in heaven now. I haven't seen him for a long time. But anyway, he got his health restored. He got to live his life out. But the thing was, he saw eternity, how real things were. It's very real. Amen. It is real. And so, uh, anyway, we get that, we get down this next one, then verse 24. So this man's, 
This man's in hell, says being in torments, and then says he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. And you know, this was at least 2,000 years ago because the New Testament's that old. You know that same man still cried out for the water? How many other people, real people, are in hell right now crying out and tormented? And how many real people are in mansions in heaven walking on streets of gold with Jesus and their family members that were born again? Get a hold of this. Hell is just as real as heaven. And spirituality, Christianity is not a game. It's not an optional thing. It's not like all the different choices you have, options. It's not an option. You're either in or you're out. And God wants you in. So anyway, I want you to look at this then. He says then, uh, Abraham said, but Abraham said, son, remember. So he has mind. He said, remember that thou in thy lifetime receives thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus, evil things. And now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, you know, can they pass to us that would come from, th- from thence. In other words, he said, man, you can see through to the other side, but you can't get out. And so, listen to this. If, th- if this is not real to you le- yet, I want you to get this spiritual principle. I'm going to tell you about spiritual reality. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions... Your mind, will, emotions are not a part of your brain. Because if they were, this man would remember. Because his brain died and was buried. He took his memory with him. He took his emotions with him. He took his feelings with him. He said, I'm tormented in this flame. He said, I'm miserable. Help me. Have mercy. And so you take your soul with you. Your spirit and your soul are going to go to eternity somewhere. When you die... Your physical body will lay down, be buried, be cremated, whatever happened to your physical body. It's gone. It's history. But you, on the inside, the spirit being, you have a mind. Because isn't your memory part of your mind? Well, how could he remember what he had on earth if he didn't take it with him? And so, you know, I don't understand how brains work with the minds and all that kind of stuff. I know the Bible teaches that your mind is part of your insides. And so the mind was with him. And so everyone in hell is now serious about this kind of thing that we're talking about today because they're on that side. But think about that. For all of eternity, people are tormented about the time they sit at a church like this. About the time that people like you witnessed them on their jobs. About the times they went to funerals as some pastor talked about John 14 in my father's house, there are many mansions, and they just sit there thinking, that's really nice. I'm going to have a tear. Really nice. Now I want to go get loaded and have sex with everybody I can have sex with. And then somebody says, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian because I go to the Christian church. Thank you. Well, how come you run around with all those people last week with your clothes off that if you're a Christian? <laughs> how, how come how come if you're a Christian you're out there beating everybody up and fighting everybody how come if you're a Christian 
You're out there cussing everybody out. If you're a Christian, how come that everybody knows you knows that they can tell when you're telling a lie because your mouth's opened? Uh, I just want to tell you again, I want to obey the Bible for our theme verse says warn everybody. The Bible says, he that loves and maketh a lie will not go to heaven. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. Man, I don't know about you, it's getting hot. <laughs> Amen. So, so you hear what I'm saying? People think about these things for all of eternity. And so then we get down to verse uh, 27. Then he said, I pray thee, now listen to this. This is an eye-opener to me. He said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And so here's this guy that wasn't serious about God at all. All he was serious about, Jesus at first, is making money, 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 more money. Bigger house, better house, nicer things, nicer playthings. Just all those different frills like that. And then Jesus says this man then, because Jesus said there's a certain man, so it's a real man. So then Jesus says that this man said, I want to pray now. Send some Christians to my family. I'm here and I can't get out. I've got five brothers. And people aren't serious about soul winning on this side. When they get to that side, and they find out the preachers were right. The Bible was right. Everybody always told me that if I was just a good boy, I'd go to heaven. Well, I wasn't too bad. I didn't, I, I really didn't steal from very many people. I didn't tell a lot of lies. All I ever drank was two beers at a time. I, I never really got high. Uh, well, marijuana was legal now, so I mean, I could mess up my brain. Et cetera, et cetera, all the different things. Like, I, I, I wasn't all that bad a guy. The Bible didn't say good guys or good women go to heaven. The Bible said born again people go to heaven. Jesus said you must be born again. And then Jesus said live right after you're born again. He said leave the old life behind. You got a new life to live. Start living like a Christian is what Jesus said. Amen. And so I just want to emphasize this again. This is not me making up a story to scare you. The Bible said, if you're a Christian, you're not living for God. He said, some you got to pull them out of the fire with fear. This man got down to hell and he says, send somebody to my family. He says, none of my family were church people. We didn't believe in this stuff, but I'm down here now and this stuff is real. I'm burning. I know I can't get out. It's forever and ever. It says, I found out that all those... Uh, 401ks and all this, this and that and all that stuff I accumulated, man, all those hotshot computers, all those big boats, all those fancy cars, all the stuff I had, I don't have them anymore. And Lazarus had nothing. And now Lazarus has a mansion. Walking on streets of gold. Lazarus is with his loved ones. Lazarus has enjoyed eternity in the presence of Jesus. I had everything. He had nothing. And now I have nothing. And he's got everything. And on earth, like I said, if you live to be a hundred years, compared to eternity that has no ending, 
How could, how could, how could a hundred years of serving things compare with all of eternity of being with Jesus and your family? Amen. Amen. One more time, because I want to get this picture across. This man instantly wanted to be a soul winner when he went to hell. He said, send somebody to tell them they don't want to come here. Amen. Is this speaking to your hearts like I want it to? Like God wants it to? And so anyway, this man found out the reality of hell the hard way. He found out the reality of hell the hard way. And so I want to tell you something the Lord had me do in my church years and years ago. Does anybody here old enough to remember when they had the big thing on TV all the time, the billboards everywhere said, friends don't let friends drink and drive? You guys remember that? Friends don't let friends drink and drive? Well, I passed one of those billboards one day back in the early 90s, and the Lord said, friends don't let friends go to hell. You know, you're not a very good friend. If you're close to somebody that you know that they think they're a Christian but not living like a Christian, you're not a very good friend if you don't exhort and warn them about hell and about heaven, about deceived people. You know, you know, you know, you know to me, my definition of what a deceived person is, a, de- a deceived person is somebody that doesn't know they're deceived. A deceived person is somebody that thinks everybody's wrong but them. They think they're the only right. I was, I was talking to Pastor Dave yesterday, what I was going to preach about today, and I was thinking about, you know, different Christians. This on the Internet, too, so I don't know who all is listening to this. And so people listen to this. I was thinking, some of these people listen to this and thinking, adultery, fornication, habitual liar, habitual thief, their things. Uh, God made a special exception for me. That applies to everybody else in the whole world except me. God doesn't care who I have sex with because I'm a special case. God doesn't care what I take because God knows I need it. I'm a special case. There's no special cases. You're not a special case. You're special to Jesus, but Jesus wants you to turn around and live right. He wants you to begin saying no to sin. And yes to right living. Why is that? Is that because, is that because he wants you to be deprived? No. That's because he wants you to live a life of heaven on earth and go to heaven when you die. That's what Jesus wants. He wants you, after all of your years of knowing right from wrong and being a good church member, he wants you to have that solid assurity in your heart that you take the last breath. You're not going to say, wow, there's that rich man. He really is here. He wants you to be able to say, Wow, I'm up here, and there's that Lazarus that he talked about. Lazarus, hi, I read about you in the Bible. And so friends, don't let friends go to hell. Now, the last part of our theme verse, we're not going to really talk about just going to read it, because it's the third part, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. So now's not the time... To be lukewarm, not the time to have one foot in and one foot out. Jesus is coming again soon, and so jump all the way in. Jump all the way in. And so, as we close the service in worshiping Jesus, 
I want to say it again. If God is speaking to your heart and you know he's talking to you, please, for heaven's sake, don't be embarrassed to come up for prayer. You know, it'd be a shame. It would be a real shame because Jude said, somebody got to pull them out with fear. I hate some of the tragedies I've seen since I've been in this church. We had a young man and woman here, what, about half a dozen years ago, that just got delivered from drugs, serious drugs, and gangsters and stuff like that. They got, they got saved at this church. They went to the membership classes. And no sooner did we get their pictures put on the, they put them on the internet, hold it at the membership uh, certificate, stuff like that, so happy for their family, stuff like that. Within about, man, it was less than a month, within a week or two of that, the dad of that family had a grown son that was a real gangster. He escaped from a federal prison in California. He come into the house. Two people stood right up here with their membership certificates. They were addicts delivered. He used to be, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he was a real gangbanger. I mean, tattoos, head, the toe, and all that kind of stuff there. But they'd become new on the inside and just smiling and beaming. <coughs> Went home one day out Main Street here. And his son... His son had escaped from prison, come into the house. He blew his dad's face off with a shotgun and then stuck it up the back of his stepmom's head and blew her head off. Did they ever have any idea that it was going to go to eternity right then? But I'll tell you one thing, I know where they're at. But if they, if they, hadn't, have, if they hadn't have given their hearts to Jesus, they wouldn't have went up. They'd have went down. And, you know, I think about some of the other tragedies of people I've seen. And I, I don't preach that stuff, but I'm just telling you this is real. When you give your heart to Jesus, you have a covenant of protection. You give your heart to Jesus, you have a promise of long life if you're living for Jesus. If you're not living in that covenant, then you're out there at the will of the devil, whatever you throw your way gets through. And if somebody's not praying for you where mercy's working, you can lead to her today. And then this time tomorrow, you can be down there in hell. And then this time tomorrow, you can be down there in hell thinking, Oh, oh, Pastor Samples warned, he warned, he warned, he warned. Oh, I wish I'd have done something. And said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus is going to say, I can't help you now. You had to do it on that side of eternity. You're on the other side now. You can't get out. So this is real. So I'm just telling you, if God speaks to your heart today, just be bold, be brave, come up and let one of us, will hold your hands, we'll pray with you. And no matter how long you've been in church, how long you've been a Christian, the Bible says faith without works is dead. That means that if you say you have faith, then you've got to have some works follow me, live right. Start doing right things so God can do in your life what he wants to do. But the main thing is, the Bible says, pull them out of the flames. So I'm doing my best today to help Almighty God pull any of you out of the flames. If you got If you got one foot that direction right now, I've done everything I can to pull you out. you got to cooperate. So we're going to have the altar call. If you want prayer, they come up here. We'll pray for you. And, of course, anything else you want prayer for, we want to help you. But this is a serious, real thing. And, you know, uh, say most all of you live right. But if you got things going on that only you and God know about, you want prayer, let us help you to get that stupid stuff off of you so you can go to heaven. Amen. Altar team. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.